Betsy Paik talks about how to believe yourself into success. Pay special attention towards the end where she talks about at cause versus at effect. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to The Do Zone. You only have to do a few things right in your life, so long as you don't do too many things wrong. Warren Buffett, DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas, glad to have you. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Do Zone on Apple or Spotify. This podcast is brought to you by Unbreakable Teams. We help entrepreneurs build the systems they need to crush their goals, the teams they need to execute those systems, and the accountability they need to make sure it all gets done. We are your fractional operations managers and strategic partners. If you're ready to take your business to the next level and you know you can't do it alone, go to unbreakableteams.com now to learn more. Today's guest is Betsy Paik. Betsy is a master mindset coach, a board-certified trainer of NLP and hypnotherapy, and founder of the Alchemy Institute. As a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the popular podcast, The Art of Living Big, Betsy creates opportunities to shift your mindset and change your life. Betsy, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's hey, up to the tribe. Hey, everybody. <laughs> tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. The key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of is that you have to change into the identity of who you would be when you got what you needed to get done, done. It's all about identity. You know, that that reminds me, thank you for sharing that. That reminds me of, there's a, there's a book back here on my shelf called The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that Hal talks about in that book is he says, it's, it's not about hitting the goal. It's about becoming the person who can hit the goal. Yeah. And, and that's another kind of variation of what you just said. It's uh, taking the actions that a person who can do that would take. Hey, dive into that a little bit more for me, because I, I love the fact that we take our minds off of the thing that needs to get done and onto the things that need to get done so that you can complete the thing. Tell me. Yeah. And I think people get this backwards all the time. And we see it over and over again at New Year's resolution time, right? I will use weight loss as an example, because that is a goal that I hear people have all the time. But by the middle of the month of January, they've already let go of that goal and moved back into their old patterns. And I think that happens with lots of different goals that we have, whether it's weight loss or something with our business or anything that we've got on our minds. And it's because we go at it from the wrong direction. We go at it from the aspect of our environment and our behavior, right? Which makes a lot of sense. Like that's the first thing we think of like, I want to achieve this thing. So what am I going to do every day? Right. And what am, I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to meal prep. Right. But because those things are conscious, 
right? Behavior environment, it's conscious. Where I am putting myself, what the things I'm doing, they're conscious. The moment that I'm not thinking about that goal, I default to my patterns. And those patterns are unconscious. And those patterns are my values and my beliefs and my identity. So by the time January 20th rolls around and people are like, oh my God, I'm not motivated. I stink. I am a loser. I'm like, no, you have a fantastic brain that's working exactly exactly the way it's supposed to. You've just been going about it all the wrong way. So like what Hal says, right, is who you become on the journey is the one that gets the goal. There are goals I have right now that I I haven't reached and I haven't reached them because I'm not the version of me that's reached them. Once I am that version, it will become like obvious. The next thing, of course, that happened, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a powerful thing. You mentioned values, beliefs and identity is that did I get Mm -hmm. it right? Yeah. And, and so it's, it's easy for us to consciously manipulate our behaviors and our environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that we can see with our own two eyes and we can feel with our own skin. Yeah. But our values, our beliefs, and our identity, how do we even go about changing something like that? That sounds really hard, Betsy. Yeah. I think that's maybe why I'm, I don't do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that if you think about it, if those things are mostly unconscious, then the trick really is simply to make the unconscious conscious. And once you do that, then you have free will. Look, we have all of this information coming in to our nervous system all the time. I'm seeing things, I'm hearing things, I'm smelling things, touching things. All of that information is coming in every second. My brain has to process tons of stuff. And and actually it's, it's 2 million pieces of information every second. But my conscious mind can only understand about 126 of those pieces of information. Now, the 126 or 2 million doesn't matter as much as the vastness of that. If I've got 2 million pieces of information coming in and I can only process 126, that means my reality, what I think is real, right, is predicated on what my brain decides to show me. So when somebody says to me, like, I I don't, I, I always have the worst luck. I'm like, the great luck is there. You just get 126 bits 126 pieces of information that are bad luck. So bringing that into our consciousness, starting to notice, why do I think that? What is that even true? What made me think that? You know, there are times where I'm working towards a big goal and I'll have this realization that I don't think I can do it until I've worked really hard. I've put the time in, I've put the effort in right? And all of those things, actions, we have to have actions, but I have a belief, have had a belief that I had to work hard because that's what my, my parents always told me. So the moment that I start to notice what it is I'm actually thinking, that's how I bring it into my awareness. I start to notice what am I actually thinking? Not just like what I'm doing without being aware of it. What am I actually thinking about it? And 
how can somebody is there is there a trick or a tool we can use to really bring us into that conscious present to say well how am what am i actually thinking like i'm i'm yeah. familiar with what you're saying mm-hmm. uh, because i've i've tried to be really conscious about trying to bring it into the consciousness i guess yeah of of what am i doing why why do be- human beings behave a certain way and I, and i'm very curious and inquisitive but mm-hmm. you know a lot of people aren't like that and yeah. that's okay. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just mm-hmm. like they're focusing their energy on other things. So are, are there any kind of tricks that we can use to bring us right back into that conscious present and 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 look at ourselves from the outside? Yeah. So there's two things that I tell my clients to do, especially if they're working on something big where they're like, I really want this thing and I haven't been able to get it. Then I say, set an alarm on your phone to go off every 15 minutes for just one day. It's going to, it's going to drive you bananas because it's every 15 minutes. But if every 15 minutes you write down, you write it down, what am I thinking about? It's going to change everything because all of a sudden you're going to realize how much you're replaying crap from the past, how much you're thinking about, oh my God, remember that time in fourth grade where, you know, this dumb stuff, right? Our brain just replays stuff. So that's one way is to just become hyper aware. The second way and a way that I really like is when I have a goal, and recently I have done this, I have a big goal I was working on, I had tasks that I had to complete in order to get the steps in process, right? But then when I was ready, and it was launching a program, I wrote down, what do I really think about this? What do I really think about launching? What do I really think about what I've created? What do I think about people coming in on Facebook ads. What do I really think? And inside that was 50 different beliefs. And so then I could go by, go down that list and I can choose because here's the thing. Remember I said, we get all this information in and then we, our brains pick 126 pieces. And that's what I was writing down was those 126 pieces, those things that were true for me. Mm. But then I get a chance to look at those. And say, you know what? I believe that Facebook ads cost a lot of money and I don't know, they work sometimes. Sometimes it's luck. Then I can say, does that help me get towards my goal? And if that sentence does not help me get towards my goal, then I just have to choose, well, what would I have to believe instead? Well, I'd have to believe that I'm super smart. I can adapt. There's people that help with Facebook ads. I could hire somebody. Like there's a laundry list of things. And so then I shift and I write down that list. What do I have to believe instead? And then it's a choice. Then I'm making the choice because I've brought that unconscious into my consciousness. I've said that hasn't been working for me and I'm going to choose this instead. And that can be so powerful because all of a sudden you're feeling different, right? That's how you know that it's working, right? You start feeling different. Facebook ads don't feel so hard. Like it starts to feel like a game, right? All of those things with whatever it is that you're working on. I wonder, thank you for that. That, that is a great exercise. And so just, just to summarize uh, Mm -hmm. what I, what I hear from this is what, whatever you're thinking, write everything down so that you have a moment to reflect on it consciously. Yep. And then you have to ask your question, what do I really think about this? And then you find all of these different beliefs. And then you challenge those beliefs by asking a question, does this help me get towards my goal? And if not, what do I have to believe instead? What do I have to do to become the person 
who can hit that goal. Yeah, because whatever I believe is who I'm becoming. And and I and I wonder when you say we're processing two million pieces of info, or we're receiving two million pieces of information mm-hmm. per per second. Per second, and my unconscious mind handles all of that. Mm-hmm. It sees everything, and there's a voting system in there, like a sifter and a sorter, like a mailroom. The, the reticular activating system. Yes. Is that right? And then it says, "Yep." And then it says, "Give her that. Give her that. Give her that." But not because that's things. what she. Not these things, even if she's been wanting those. I know that these other things keep her safe. She's alive. It's worked in the past. Just give her those things. But when I start bringing that into my awareness and say, this is what I think, right? I'm writing down all these beliefs about what I really think about Facebook ads or whatever your goal is. Then all of a sudden, even if it feels right, that's the trick. You're like, yeah, but that's true. That's the best one because it's not true. Nothing's true. Hmm. Nothing is true. If other people can run Facebook ads successfully, it's not true. It's just true for you. So if that doesn't work, be willing to let it go. Be willing to say, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm just going to see what happens. I was just thinking of, uh, you know, the, I had a, I had another guest on here and uh, unfortunately his name is escaping me at this moment, but, but he was talking, digging, digging really deep into the brain and and how we make these types of decisions. And he brought up that reticular activating system. It's the only reason I knew what it was. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But it basically serves as a filter to decide Mm -hmm. what's important to you right now and what's not because you just have too much to consciously process. Yeah. And, uh, and so let's stick with the things that are safe. Mm -hmm. And here's a, I'd love to hear a real world example if you've kind of thought about this, but what I, what I'm thinking is uh, in entertainment um, mm-hmm. movies, TV shows, that sort of thing. There was at some point this wide variety of different kinds of shows. This is a perception that I have. It may not even be true. <laughs> it's just yeah. something I believe. <laughs> true to you. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's true to me. So yep. <laughs> there's this wide variety of shows. And then all of a sudden, cop shows and doctor shows were like a mega hit. And yeah. then if you watch any, you know, I go to the gym in the morning. That's the only time that I see any kind of TV. And it's all these commercials for like CSI Detroit, CSI Kansas yeah. City, you know, Chicago doctors, LA doctors, whatever. And it's like, that's it. That's all they did. And it's yeah. almost like, well, this has worked before. It's a safe bet. Let's just stick with this so we can keep making our money. It's right. it's almost like yeah. we're just picking out the things that really matter here that are yeah. going to keep us safe and keep us alive. We yeah. don't want to take any risks. That's, yes. I see that in entertainment, like comic, like I don't really like comic book movies, but it's really hard to go to the movie theater and not see a comic book character. Comic book movie, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what are some examples that maybe you've, you've seen of, of the comparison of 126 bits of data versus the 2 million that you receive? Yeah. Well, I mean, I use the weight loss example a lot just because so many people can relate to it. Um, But people will tell me like health is super important to me. Health is so important to me. And so I'll say like, what have you done the past three days? And they're like, oh, well, I got drunk two nights ago. You know what I mean? Like there's all these other things. So we, even though it's right in front of our face, 
if we believe something, we believe our metabolism slow, we believe our we're big boned, we believe that is what we see. So I think your example is great of TV shows. We start to notice those TV shows, just like YouTube. You go to YouTube and if you look at one kind of video, you choose that video, the algorithm is going to know. Facebook, it starts to know what you interact with. Your brain is just like a Facebook algorithm. It mm. knows what you interact with and then it's going to show you all of that, even if it's totally obvious <laughs> to somebody else looking in what you're really doing or what's really going on with you. That's why I think it's so important to have either really good friends that can reflect or a coach of some sort. I always have coach because because I don't because I am a big denier <laughs> of all things. <laughs> but that system <laughs> right. will show us over and over. Yeah. And so and so talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're first of all, I uh I love where this conversation is going, but I'm a little more curious now about, about you, you entered a, you entered a weightlifting competition, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you are, were not naturally a weightlifter, uh, in, until recently. Is that right? Yeah. Well, so this was probably about a decade ago. So I'm in my fifties, okay. but when I was in my early forties, um, I, I've always been somebody that worked out, you know, back in my twenties, I ran a marathon, but, but honestly, I, I came through the finish line and then said, I'm never going to run again unless I'm <laughs> yeah. raining out and I have to get to my car. You know what I mean? Like I did that, check it off the list, but I've always right. been active. Um, but yeah, I decided to compete in Olympic style lifting. So the snatch and the clean and jerk. Now, the really cool thing was that, um, there wasn't, there's not a lot of 40 year olds, at least at the time right. <laughs> did it. So I ended up moving right up. I mean, I, I won a, a medal at the Pan Ams. I got invited to worlds, which was, I think in Finland at that time or Germany, I guess. Nice. Um, so it was just really cool, but it, but it was interesting because I could see my identity morphing as I got better and better. And then it was the kind of thing where, um, we would go on vacation and I would make the hotel reservation. And then my next thing would be to call a gym in the area and just see if I could stop by and lift. Mm. It was so fascinating because that was my identity was I'm an athlete now. So this is what I do now. I'm in my fifties. I got to tell you, like, I mean, I bring like my bathing suit and flip-flops, but I'm not calling the gym. It's not good or bad. It's just my identity shifted. Now I'm a, I used to be an athlete is my identity in so many ways. And I still work out. I'm not saying that I still do CrossFit, but like it, it, when you really embed yourself in an identity, when you really step into it and say, I am going to be this, it starts to change your behavior and your environment don't matter. It didn't matter that I was going on vacation. I was getting to the gym right? I didn't have to meal prep and join a gym. It was who I was. Yeah. I I'm, I'm so happy that you shared that because, uh, it was, it was a great example of everything that you've been saying to this point, you were a marathon runner, you weren't really a lifter. And you said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a shot. And then you started becoming the person who yeah. could accomplish those goals so much so that you were changing your reality and changing your habits to accommodate who you are in this situation. And then people reacted to me differently. 
Then all of a sudden I was an athlete and they were catering to that identity, right? I would show up places. They would make time for me to come lift, even though the gym was supposed to be closed. Do you know what I mean? She's an athlete. Like people respond differently. Have you ever seen that book? Um, not that book, the movie with Amy Schumer. And it's called, um, I think it's called like, I, f I feel pretty okay yeah no idea basically basically she is supposed to be this like chubby chick which she's not but she is supposed to be in the movie she trips and falls and hits her head and wakes up and thinks she's fabulous and oh. starts acting totally different she gets a great job she gets a great guy everything in her life improves the only thing that's different is that she thinks she's different what she thinks she's worthy of, who she thinks she is, is different. So people respond to her differently. Mm. So when people think like, yeah, but I want to be, I want to have this huge career. I want to be, I want to meet my goals. I want to be the kind of person, but nobody helps me. Nobody steps up and does. If you start acting like that, people have to respond to you different because you're different. So that was another big thing is I just noticed people catered to me because I was an athlete. And so they did what I needed to do to continue to be that. That's that's fascinating. You know, I I believe uh now that now that you're bringing this up, I I believe that I have passed through multiple identities in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh I was a uh I have a degree in music and yeah. uh, I was a musician and a and a teacher for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that was my identity. And I lived that identity. And then yeah. it stopped being my identity and I became something else. And it was, and it was that very much like, uh, you know, I'm not really, nobody really cares that much about me. And, and, and I lived that reality because people were, yeah. people were basically giving me what I wanted. Yes. You know, I was a, yeah. you know, I'm a victim of circumstance or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you are. Yep. And yep. And at some point, I just realized, like, you know what? This is stupid. I'm tired of this. I'm just going to get up and take control of the situation. Mm -hmm. And I became that. Yes. You know? And, and, and that's the thing is you get to choose every minute. You get a new choice. Every minute. You don't have to wait till tomorrow or Monday or New Year's or anything. Yeah. You, you could just choose. Like, I'm going to be this. Like, I, I'm going to be this. I, I, I said was, to my husband. Oh, I, I, just really quick. Let me finish this yeah. point here. But it, I, I was never a uh, I was never an athlete. I was never someone who worked out. I didn't know how. I didn't have the pedigree or the the instruction. My eating habits were terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but at some point, I just got tired of that and decided, you know what? I'm going to be the person who gets up at five o'clock in the morning and goes yeah. to the gym and eats healthy. And I'm not a morning person. I'm not a workout guy. I'm not a neat, healthy guy, but yeah. I became that. And yeah. because I became that, other people responded to it. And they're like, oh, wow, you're in great shape. And I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah, right. I am, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I started saying, I remember very clearly, you'll love this because I've never, had never been able to say this in my life, Betsy, but I was I was sitting at the doctor one time and I had a, you know, an unrelated issue or whatever. And I looked at the doctor and I said, I'm in great shape, but I have this problem. Yeah. It was the first time I was ever to, able to believe I'm in great mm -hmm. shape because yeah. I was. I am. Created that reality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Powerful.
It is. Yeah. Anything that we say after I am. So just start to notice, you know, when we say like, I am, I am a loser. I am so stupid. Right. People say that sometime to themselves. I'm like, oh my God, your unconscious mind hears that and uses it as a sifter. Mm. Um, I said to my husband recently, we just had our 10th anniversary and, um, you know, relationships can be hard sometimes. There's always a up and a down with things. And I, we had been talking about how we wanted to improve. We wanted things to be better. And we talked about what that would look like and who we would be. And so I was like, I think I would be the kind of wife who, right? And I had this whole story and he was like, yeah. So I said to him, can I just do that? Like, will you allow me to just change? Like, I'm going to develop a new personality that's this kind of wife that I want to be. And he was like, okay, and I'm going to do this. That way, and it sounds so silly, but like, it allowed me to put on a character and be that. Like, if I want to be that, be that. And it might take some practice. It might feel like cosplay a little bit in the beginning, right? Well, I get used (laughs) to being the kind of wife that has dinner ready. Like, but like, that's how you step into it. And I think sometimes getting permission from somebody, you're not going to think I'm dumb if I do this, are you? Like, I'm going to, one of the things I said is I really want to make bread. I want to be the kind of wife who makes bread. He was like, I don't care if you make bread. I don't care. I said this, I think it's a whole personality. I want to be like a bread maker, you know? And so I said, do I have permission? Can I just be that? And he was like, yeah, do it. Like, what kind of bread are you going to make? It sounds so silly, but it was an exercise. Right. In stepping into it. I think it sounds amazing. Uh, You know, especially, especially in a couple, uh, in a relationship, uh, we do kind of get stuck in our ways a little bit. And we start to, as human beings, because we can only process those 126 things. Yeah. Most of those 126 things out of 2 million are about us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of room for, problems of somebody else unless those problems are an immediate threat to us yeah 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 (laughs) you know and so when you start asking those questions of like well what information am I actually processing about this other person am Mm -hmm. I if I were in their shoes and this is like for me the best trick is this it's very hard for me to think about somebody else if I've got such limited bandwidth and so the best way that I can think about somebody else is through empathy if mm-hmm. yeah if i were in this position to where i was receiving the behavior that i'm giving how would i feel yeah you know yeah. how would how would my relationship be how would my confidence be in this relationship you know how would i react and and sometimes it's like that doesn't solve any problems but it helps you understand like you know why why are you so mad? You know, like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I did a really stupid thing. Now I understand. Yeah. 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 You know, I think about sometimes when I come home, right? I have a dog. When I come home, he's so excited to see me, right? It doesn't matter if I've been gone five seconds or five hours. He's super excited to see me. And I realized when my husband comes home, I'm working all day. And then he comes in and I say, hey, do you have a good day? And then I was like, I want to be like the dog. <laughs> like I want to be super excited to see you. It's as simple as that as saying, I want to be that. I want to be really excited. I want you to come home and feel like super happy that someone's super excited to see you, me and the dog. Can I do that? Yeah, do it. And then you get to try. So I do think sometimes we have this idea in our heads of what other people will accept from us. 
And if you just ask, would you accept this? Would you accept it if I was a 5.30 a.m. person? Would you accept it if I was super focused in on my goals, right? Would you accept it if, and then they can help support that identity. I love that. And, you know, speaking of these mental shifts that you make, uh, one one thing that you have mentioned in the past is about being at cause. Can you tell me more about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. She's in her 20s. And, um, and, and she was very much like at effect. Well, this happened to me and work is hard. And, you know, I don't like so-and-so and everything is... And so I said, what if instead of them making you feel bad, what if you were at cause? It gives you your power back. Then it could be like they behaved this way and I chose to feel bad about it. So what is there in there for me? What is there in there for me to heal, for me to let go of? That gives me my power if I'm out of fact, if everybody's making me feel some way or making me do something, right? Or my husband's making me mad or somebody, you know, it, it's okay. I understand that that is like a reaction. Well, they did this awful thing to me. And I've had awful things happen in my life where I can say that was abusive. Like that wasn't okay. But I can, I could choose Maybe I didn't have the wherewithal then to say, no, don't treat me like that. But now I do. So I chose to let that happen. And now I never would. And that's empowering. Mm. If I'm living at effect of everything else, it's not empowering. So I use it as a way to really get empowered and to take control of my life back. It's uh, another way that I've seen that. Um, I've seen that taken, uh, kind of interpreted many different ways. Uh, and, uh, one of, one of my core values is own all outcomes. Mm, I love it. And, and I, th- I think that that is very closely related to what you said. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Somebody, yeah. somebody did, somebody created an action. I get to decide how I respond to that action. But yeah. if that, if that thing that happened to me was negative, it's my fault. Everything yeah. that happens in your life is your own damn fault. Yeah. And the immediate reaction to that is, well, yeah, you know, you can't stop somebody from punching you and sucker punching you in the face or shooting you from a distance or all kinds of weird stuff that we can come up with. Yeah. Maybe sure. not. Mm-hmm. But if you claim ownership of it, nobody else can control you anymore. Gives you your power back. It gives you, you know, your power back. When I was in high school, um, my mom died in a car accident and um, it was devastating. I was super close with my mom. She was really involved in my in my older sister's life and I wasn't very close with my dad. I was 16. Now, if I'm at effect, I'm like, I, or if I'm at cause, I'm like, well, I didn't get in the car accident. I wasn't even with her. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do I be at cause? And there's two big things for me. And I use that example because it's so extreme, right? So like if somebody's having a thing where they're like, yeah, but one is I got to choose what the meaning of that was. I got to choose what that meant. And I have a story about what that meant. And it took me a couple decades to get to that story. But for me, that story for me is that my mom and I had a pact before I was born, before she was born. 
and we were going to change people's lives. And she was going to die in such a way, take an exit that would be so dramatic that it would upheaval my whole life. And I would have to make sense out of that. And once I made sense out of that, I would be able to help other people. And so now we are co-creating together. We're doing something together. And so that is how I took the power back of that. It wasn't that my mom died in this tragic accident and I was left and devastated. It was part of a co-creation of my evolution. And the second part of that is really that I get I get a chance to use that story, as awful as this sounds, but to use the story to say how my mom died. She went off the road on an ice storm into a giant field, a huge field with one tree. She could have gone anywhere, but she went right for the tree. Why? Because she was looking at it. Because that's where she was focused. And where you focus is going to dictate everything about your life. And not just if you live or die, but how your job goes, how your relationships go. What are you focused on? Are you focused on the stuff you don't want? Or are you focused on a huge field of opportunity, a huge field of possibility? And so my mom dying gave me that gift so that then it became my life's work. Powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I know that I I personally can pull a, a, a lot of lessons from what you just shared. Uh, you know, when traumatic things happen to us, we get to claim that ownership. And you're right. Uh, those things will either destroy us or they will empower us to take the next step. Yeah. And the difference between the two is your decision. Yeah. And I didn't choose to disconnect from her. Hmm. Like right. that's a thing, right? Her, my response to her leaving this physical realm wasn't to disconnect from her. And that's also being at cause for what I want. I wanted my relationship with her and I kept it. And I have, a, as you could imagine, hundreds of stories that show her still active, you know? I love it. Well, let's uh, let's get into the do zone diagnostic and see how that brain works. What do you say? Okay. <laughs> awesome. So five quick questions here I ask to every guest. Uh, number one, what's one thing you do, Betsy, that keeps you focused on your goals? I visualize them every morning in the shower. And how do you get back on track whenever you lose that focus? Um, I, I really notice where I'm going, like what I'm actually thinking about. And I am one that when I think about things, whether it's good or bad, I get a lot of detail. I think about it. I hear it. I smell it. I can feel it. Right. So if I'm in the shower and I'm doing my morning, I like to walk through the whole day, my visualization of what I'm going to do, how I'm going to experience it. What's the magic I expect. And I really get in the emotion of that. And then if I get off track, I notice there's a lot of emotion. That's what really clues me in. And then I can say, okay, I've got a choice. And then I redirect to what I already decided in the shower. Now, one quick thing is that I believe that our brains create my reality, right? And so if that's true, why would I just get up and get going? So I get up when I get in the shower. That's like the, one of the first things I do. I go through my whole day and how magical it's going to be. 
and how this grit, I'm going to feel so good. You know, you and I were meeting at 5 p.m. And so I was like, I am going to feel energized right before I'm going to get this shot of energy. I'm going to be so excited. And I did, you know, so making that choice, making that decision. Well, I have that effect on people, obviously. Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And so who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? So I actually have some great people that work with me that I joke all the time. There's one uh, person that's like really my right hand woman. I call her my magical unicorn. In fact, in all of our stuff, she is called the magical unicorn. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, she's a really great at redirecting. So if I say, ah, that's going to be hard. She'll say, no, like, no, it's not. So having somebody that's on the same wavelength as you talks the same language is so important. And my husband as well, he's really good about saying, if I start going down, because we all have things that are hard. And I say, oh gosh, last week I was sick. Oh, I don't feel good. I got a cold. And he'll say, that's right. You have a cold. And then my response to that, I have to say, that's right. Colds get better. And he'll say, that's right. Colds get better. You're already feeling better. And I say, that's right. I have to come up with the next thing. So we play this game back and forth really helps to keep you going. That one little thought, that one little nugget can take you somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, right. The, 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 that's <laughs> right. Uh, here, another, you know, you're just, you're just going down my shelf here. That's uh never split the difference. Chris Voss, uh, the, the goal, he was an FBI negotiator. Yeah. And uh, it's a fantastic book about psychology. everybody tells me to read that book. I haven't read it, but everybody tells me I'm going to, that yeah. was the final straw. I will get that book. <laughs> but, but one of the, one of the goals that he has in any kind of negotiation is he wants to say things to the people in that stress, high stress situation. He wants to say mm-hmm. things to get a, a very specific response. And he wants them to say, that's right. He oh, wants to be able to say something to yeah. where they respond and say, that's right. Because now mm. he's got them lined up on the same page yeah. with it. So those, Ooh, those that's two words yeah, are I got powerful. Yeah, yeah. And, I love it. And, and so how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? A really, really small steps. So I will break down even something that might seem to you like a small step. If I have any procrastination towards it at all, I will break it down into even smaller steps. And I actually have a process for this. I call it chase. It's free on my website, but um, where I will write down, I'll set a timer and I'll just break that one project down into teeny tiny steps, so small that it might only take like two minutes to do it. That way it starts me going, right? And once I get going, then it picks up momentum and keeps going. Love it. And last question, what's the number one pro tip you would give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time. To get more stuff done in less time, I think it would be to give yourself some grace, to give yourself some grace, to say like, I'm going to forgive myself for all the times I haven't done what I expected of myself. Because I think if you're carrying all that baggage in, that's what your sifter is noticing. So just forgive yourself for everything you've done wrong, air quotes, everything that didn't work out the way you wanted, every outcome that you've had that didn't go how you wanted and say there were lessons in there and there were things I had to go through in order to get to here. And I'm never starting over. I'm just going from here. I'm just continuing. Awesome. That's great. And so tell us, this is the most important question. 
What is the secret to living big? Start what is small. the art of living big? <laughs> the, really living big is really about doing the most you can do with the container that you have. Look, we can't all be Oprah, right? But we have a container and how can we be as big as we can? I always think about like a dandelion in the concrete, right? It's not populating a huge field because it doesn't have that opportunity, but it can grow as big and strong as it can in the space that it has. And I think really living big for me is getting as big as you can. You know, quick story. When I, maybe maybe seven, eight years ago, I really wanted to be a speaker. And my daughter was sick when she was a teenager and I couldn't go get speaking gigs because I couldn't travel. I couldn't, I never knew what was going to happen. And so I decided one day I was like, what is it I really want? I was so frustrated, you know, even though she was sick and I had compassion for that, I, there was still goals and dreams and things I wanted. And so I was driving by a Panera Bread and I called and I just talked to a manager and I said, hey, you guys have like that little room, you know, with the doors that shut. Can I use that like once a month and have an event? And they were like, sure. I mean, they gave it to me for free. Yeah. And I put an event on Meetup. I just said, we're going to have a keynote speaker every month. <laughs> they didn't know it was me every month. And people <laughs> came. I mean, I ended up getting a huge, a huge group of people that would come every month and I would speak. I got to be as big as I could in the container that I have. And now I travel all over, all over the country and speak. So it's I couldn't have done that to the extent and the capacity and and how good I am at it now if I hadn't done that. It was a gift. And and so I'm curious you so you were the dandelion. Yeah. You were yeah. the you were the Panera bread dandelion. Dan yes, that was the Panera bread dandelion. <laughs> yeah. You were that you were that you were that little chicken noodle soup bread bowl. That's or right. That's right. As long as that bread bowl could con contain, contain you, contain. It contained you, and then you just blossomed out and you blew out of the that's bread right. bowl and you, you needed a bigger bowl. That's, that's right. That's great. And, and so, yeah. but, but, but why just take me back to, was there a moment where you kind of made that realization? Cause you, you gave a great analogy about the dandelion and the concrete. Was there a mm -hmm. moment where that just became clear to you? Maybe, maybe during this kind of speaking gig, was it, was it just like, oh, oh, now I get it. And then maybe that's where things yeah. started to pivot out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it was really that moment of, I want to speak and I can't because this thing is happening in my life and how can I do it with what I have? You know, how can I make it work with what I have? I, I really think it just came from, I think a lot of people like me always want to be expanding and growing and trying new things. And in that situation was stifling. And so it was me just really wanting to create my own container to, to do what I could for myself in that space, really to remain healthy so that I could continue to support her, you know, mm -hmm. having my own dreams, like having our goals and dreams is important to us as healthy individuals, to be striving for something, wanting something more. I've run into so many people that, uh, you know, hit, hit their success. They sold out of their company and, you know, they sat on their fishing boat and they came back mm -hmm. and they said, no, <laughs> I, I got to keep somebody, going. Somebody yeah. give me some work to do, man. I got, yeah. I got to keep, keep growing, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
That's yep. awesome. And and so the and the the art of living big podcast. What are what are some of the topics that you that you cover on there, or some of some of your your favorite topics in the past? Yeah, you know that show has been such an evolution. It really took off after I stopped the Panera Bread. I probably should have called it the Panera Bread <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the bread bowl. Um, <laughs> the bread bowl is really what it should be called. So I um I share a lot of moments in my life and what the meaning is. And that sounds like it's stories about me, but the thing is, is that so many of our stories are universal, right? When I told that story about Panera Bread, I'm sure people that were listening were like, oh, I have a thing like that, or I have a thing I want to do. And so I really share a lot of NLP because that's my love, you know, and um, how I approach life and the, the meaning in the lessons of our lives. Occasionally I'll have guests, but lots of times I just cover like how to live big, how to expand into the best version of you. That's great. You know, and uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Well, I, anybody I think has, if you, if you really apply some thought to this, I think anybody probably can, can find a way to relate to that. And and I was immediately when, when you made that challenge, like, Hey, somebody in the audience, well, I'm in the audience. So, mm-hmm. uh, five or six years ago, I lost a bet and ended up being a co-host on a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how to run a podcast. I was a very shy and timid person. I was not good thinking on my feet. Um, the only thing I had going for me was my voice is okay. You know? Yeah. You have a great voice. Yeah. Ah, thank you. So, uh, <laughs> but, but aside from that, I was just this awkward dude and, uh, we started this podcast and I just through sheer will just said, you know what? I'm going to be a podcast host. And we did mm-hmm. 238 episodes of that podcast and it was great. And I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. I met a bunch of really great people. Yep. We retired that when I started the do zone, I'm, uh, I think 120 plus into this one and it's only been about a year and I just, I missed it because I created that, you know, identity. I decided that's who I was going to be. And Mm -hmm. it did just like Panera, you know, those first 20, 30, 50 episodes were horrific. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, but after over time you start figuring out like, oh, okay, I, I can chill out. And I can ask more questions and I can, yeah. my brain is organizing the information differently and you get better with those repetitions and you're just confirming yeah. that reality that you created. Yeah. Yeah. And you, that becomes who you are. And when it becomes who you are, then all things start to support it. It's funny. Cause I have thought before I've had the podcast, like almost seven years and I've thought like, do I want to keep doing it? And then I was like, I don't know how to not do it. That's right. That's what happened when we, we retired. I had a co-host and we retired that podcast and I sat there without it for like a year and a half. And I was just thinking, you lost. Yeah. What am I, what am I doing with my life? You know, like I want to eat, I want, I want to meet new, interesting people like Betsy. You know, I interviewed Cameron Harold two days ago uh, and I want to have conversations. Where else are you going to where else are you going to find an hour to sit down with somebody that really challenges the way that you think about things? How, why would they set aside an hour to just shoot the breeze with you? You know, that's what podcasts are all about. Yeah. You get to meet so many interesting people and pick people's brains. Yeah. It's fun. 
Nice. Well, hey, uh, we're going to wrap up here. Where can uh, where can everybody go to learn more about you, maybe access your podcast or anything else that you have? Yeah. If you go to my website, which is just my name, if you go to betsypake.com slash live big, that'll bring you to tons of free stuff. All the freebies are there. All the freebies. Betsypake.com <laughs> slash live big. And that's Pake like cake. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And we can get a link to the the podcast on there as well. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. Every place to find me. And I'm, you know, I'm so not creative. Betsy Paik. I'm everywhere. Betsy Paik. Instagram, all the places. So you could just search Betsy Paik in any podcast app and you'd be able to find me. Okay. Very well. Yeah. And so, well, uh, Betsy Paik is is a lot more unique than Josh Thomas. You know how many yeah. there are. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. There's actually like three or four famous Josh Thomases and I am none of them. So. Oh, that's so. funny. Awesome. So, well, we're going to wrap up from here. Thank you again to our guest, Betsy Paik, for joining us and sharing some wisdom about how she gets stuff done. You can connect with her directly by going to betsypake.com slash live big for lots of cool stuff. And again, the podcast is The Art of Living Big. If you want to keep hearing great content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe to The Do Zone on Apple or Spotify. And if you're looking to break through to the next level with your business, but you just don't have the time or the tools to do so on your own, we got your back. Go to unbreakableteams.com to learn how we can supercharge your team's productivity for less than it costs to take them out to lunch. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend. Screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories. Smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com.